Most every generation has what they refer to as a pivotal point or a time of crisis in their generation that will affect the coming generations. Some of these declarations are exaggerated. Some of them are underestimated and only time tells of the effect of those events or crisis or pivotal points that take place that would affect coming generations. In some generations, it has been a war that has affected not only a nation, but has affected the world. Two different times, America has been involved in world wars. And though they have not included all nations of the world, they have affected all the nations of the world. In some generations, it, the pivotal point or the crisis has been either a political leader that would change the course and direction of a nation or even the world, whether it be a good leader or an evil one. I was reading recently about the flag raising on Iwo Jima that pointed to America as a superpower of the world. Revolutions have been brought about by music, by drugs, by inventions. They have been pivotal points that have affected generations to come. For example, the Industrial Revolution changed the world. The electronic generation changed the world. And we could talk about many others. But when you look at the course of history, our text passage was a pivotal point in history that would not only affect the coming generations in the world, but it would define and determine the course of our world. And that pivotal point, that time of crisis, that time of judgment, as he says in verse number 31, was the purpose for which Christ was born and came into the world. It was the time of his death, burial, and resurrection. The world had come to a solemn crisis when we come to John chapter 12. Now was the turning point of all the world's history. Should Christ die or should he not? If he would refuse the bitter cup of agony, the world would be doomed. If he would press forward, if he would engage in battle with the powers of death and hell and would triumph in victory then the world would be blessed and her future would be glorious. Should he fail, then all the world would be crushed and ruined beneath the curse of sin and Satan. Should he conquer? Should he preach deliverance to the captives? Should he preach recovering of sight to the blind? Would he set at liberty them that are bruised? The Bible tells us in these verses that Jesus came to fulfill the will of the Father and he did in fact die on the cross of Calvary. They did place him in an empty borrowed tomb and thank God he rose again and the prince of the world as he said here would be cast out. I'm thankful this morning for that pivotal point that gave to us 
salvation by grace through faith in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. There are three things I want to point out from this passage of Scripture this morning. First of all, I want to say the crucifixion of Christ was His glory. I want you to notice the wording. Jesus said, if I be lifted up. Now when you think of death, you don't think of being lifted up. You think of being lowered. But the crucifixion was the glory of Christ as he was lifted up on the cross of Calvary to die for all men. He does not say if I be crucified. He does not say if I be hanged on a tree. He says if I be lifted up. You see the cross lifted him up not in the defeat of death but in the exaltation of victory. When I think of these words, I think of a boxing match. And if you've watched a heavyweight boxing match that has gone into several rounds, they will bring the two boxers to the middle of the ring and the umpire will stand between them and he will raise one hand or the other declaring who the champion or who the victor was. The Lord Jesus said, if I be lifted up. It's an interesting word because he was exalted not by glory of man. He was exalted by his choice of death because he was dying for your sin and mine. Jesus' death on the cross was his proclamation of his ultimate love for us and his ultimate victory over sin, death, and Satan. Now, men seek glory in the opposite manner. Men seek glory by putting down others to exalt themselves. See the picture, please. Christ exalted himself not by lifting himself up above man, but lowering himself on the behalf of man so man could share in his glory. And I have in my heart, in my soul, eternal life because Christ was buried and rose again from the grave. The glory of his love for man is lifted up above all others. He said in Romans chapter 5, For scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Yet peradventure for a good man some would even dare to die. But God commendeth his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. The greatest glory a man can have of others is not that of mere admiration. We have seen folks being stared at as they pass through a street on a, in a parade or beheld them as they rode on some kind of an automobile and they clapped and cheered. Though that is recognition, it's not the greatest glory. You see, the greatest fame or the greatest glory is one of sacrifice and death on behalf of others. We're here today because soldiers have given themselves and given their life's blood that you and I could have freedom in our country today. And certainly the highest glory anyone could have would be to die for others. And Jesus said, if I be lifted up on the cross of Calvary for death, 
I will draw all men to me. Christ won more love by the cross than he did ever win any place else. The glory of his love, the glory of his commitment to the Father's will is lifted up on the cross of Calvary. Jesus said in John chapter 8 and verse 29, And he that sent me is with me. The Father hath not left me alone, for I do always those things that please him. So the first thing we want to notice in John chapter 12 when he said, If I be lifted up, he is not talking initially about you and I lifting him up. He's talking about himself being lifted up to die on the cross of Calvary. For had he not done that, we would have no story to tell. We would brag of our goodness. We would brag of our righteousness. But today, we do not declare our goodness or our glory. We declare the glory of Christ. For it was he that was exalted by dying on the cross of Calvary. Second of all, I want to point out, we do have a responsibility to lift him up. We do have a responsibility to lift him up. Turn your Bibles, if you will, to John chapter 3. In John chapter 3, we have that great verse in verse number 16 that tells us that God loved the world. But I want you to notice, and he uses an Old Testament illustration, the children of Israel were coming through the wilderness and they began to complain about their circumstances. They began to complain about their situation and God sent poisonous snakes and they began to die. And uh, uh, they went to Moses and they said, Moses, what do we do? Moses went to God and God said, I want you to take a piece of brass and I want you to beat it into the form of a snake. And I want you to put that, uh, that brazen serpent on a pole and I want you to lift it up And if folks will look at that after they've been bitten, if they'll look at that brazen serpent, they will live. You can read the story in the Old Testament. And John is making reference to that here. Notice in verse 14 what he says. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness. Now why would he do that? Because they'd been bitten. They were going to die. And if they would look at that brazen serpent by faith, they would be made whole. That is a picture of the fact that you and I are under the curse of sin. The wages of sin is death. All of us are going to die because of sin. And notice what he says here. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. That's my job today is to lift up Christ and to say sin has gotten a hold of every man and man is born in sin. And the only way your sin debt can be paid for is to put your faith and trust not in the church or not in your behavior or not in activities, but put your faith and trust in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. He said if we lift him up, he will draw all men to him. Jesus Christ is to be lifted up in our lives daily. I'm preaching to you this morning to say Jesus ought to be lifted up in our lives daily. Certainly it's a preacher's joy and privilege to be able to lift up Christ of the gospel in church. But we ought to lift him up in our workplace. We ought to lift him up in our home place. This is where you're supposed to say amen. We're supposed to lift him up in our lives. We're supposed to lift him up everywhere we go. We're supposed to carry gospel tracts that others may know of Christ. We have the great joy and privilege to lift up the Savior who was lifted up in exaltation on the cross of Calvary to die. 
for our sin. That's the purpose and work of the church. That's the reason for building a larger building so we can preach the gospel to more people so more people can come to know Christ as Savior. That's the work of the local church. That's the reason we have addition to our Sunday school classes and classrooms, the addition of church and Sunday school activities that young people may be involved in wholesome Christian good activities where we don't have the influence of the world that brings her uh, harm and uh, hurt to, to them, but they can have a place where they can enjoy the Christian life. How sad it is to see so many things corrupted by the sinful behaviors of the world. Preaching, the preaching of Christ is the great theme of the man of God desiring to preach the word of God. My joy, my privilege is to be able to say to you, it's Jesus that gives eternal life. It's faith in Christ that gives eternal life. It's not our good behavior. It's not what we can do, but what he's already done for us. What a joy it is to preach Christ and his person, to preach Christ and his purpose, to preach Christ and his power. The greatest need of America today is not an improvement in the economy, not an improvement in education. The greatest need of America today is the preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ. What men need is to be regenerated by the grace of God. We speak often of reform and doing better. Man must be born again. We speak often of men mending his ways and improving his attitude and his action. Men need to be born again. We cannot reform a nation with a do-better mentality. We must preach the gospel of Christ that men can be born again by the grace of God and become a new creature in Christ. Jesus died to pay for our sins on the cross of Calvary. Jesus rose again from the grave on the third day. Jesus ascended to heaven and he's coming again. And if you're here today and you do not know Christ as your Savior or you're watching me today, there's only one way that you can go to heaven when you die or there's only one way for you to go to heaven when the trumpet of God sounds and that is for you to put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. It's not a difficult task. It's just a decision. It's a matter of faith. How many times I've stood before young couples and uh, performed at wedding ceremonies uh, hundreds of times and, and I, I've said to the young man, will you take this woman whose hand you now hold to be your lawfully wedded wife? And, and, and sometimes they stutter. Sometimes they squeak. Uh, sometimes they cry. Sometimes they laugh. But they say, I do. That's all it takes. They're finished. I love to study words. You know, I was looking the other day at the word complete and finished. You know, the difference in complete and finished, it's pretty difficult to tell the difference in complete and finished. But I've, I found a definition of a man marries the right woman, he's complete. If he marries the wrong one, he's finished. If he marries the wrong one that spends a lot of money, he's completely finished. But anyway... 
I've said to the young man, I've said to the young lady, do you take this man whose hand you now hold to be a lawfully wedded husband? She simply says, I do, and they become one. They're married. I remember the day I was hardly six years old, and the preacher preached, and he said that all are sinners, and all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. I knew I was a sinner even as a little boy. Sin was within me. I wanted what I wanted. I wanted what the flesh wanted. I knew uh, that uh, lying would help you to get what you wanted and, and cheating and whatever it took would help you get what you wanted. At least I thought that. And that's within us. You don't have to teach a child to lie or to cheat or teach him to sin. I knew I was a sinner. And as he preached the Bible, I found out that the wages of sin is death and those that die in their sin must go to a devil's hell. Oh, but he said, wait a minute. That's the bad news. This is the good news. God gave his son that you could have eternal life. And if you'll simply ask him to come into your heart and save you, he'll give you eternal life and forgive you all your sins. I said, I'll take it. I walked down the aisle and I, I, I knelt uh, uh, beside the altar worker. My aunt uh, was the altar worker then. And she opened the Bible and it said, For whosoever shall call in the name of the Lord shall be saved. I did that and God saved me that day. I have his word on it. I'm glad this morning for the opportunity and the privilege to lift him up. The work of our church is to lift up Christ. The work of our Sunday school classes is to lift up Christ. The work of the bus ministry is to lift up Christ. The work of activities and all that we do is to let our light shine that others may know, not of our good deeds, not of our accomplishments, but of the love and the glory of Christ that came to die on the cross for sinful men. It's interesting. He says here, and I'll show you the third thing. He said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men to me. Meaning that men of all nationalities, of all races and peoples will come to the Savior. I've met with many in my years as a preacher and as a teenager, as a Christian, and presented the gospel to a multitude of people not only in large crowds, but also individually. And I've shared with them the love of God that he gave his son that they could have eternal life if they put their faith and trust in him. I've led men to Christ who had committed murder. And they believed that God couldn't save them, but I showed them in the scripture how God came, gave his son that all sin could be forgiven. And I've seen people bow their head and trust Christ as Savior and become a new creature in Christ who had lived a life of terrible sin and crime. I've led men of hardened hearts to Christ that once cursed his holy name. Now they sing praises to him. I've seen a many a drunkard come to Christ as Savior and seeing God not only save them, but sober them up and make them a good husband, a good father, and make them a good Christian. I've seen men and women who are in the depths of sin trust Christ as Savior. A dear friend of mine is a member of our church today, was converted to faith in Christ in prison, serving 42 years of his life in prison. He didn't want to hear the gospel. He didn't want to talk to anybody that even knew about the gospel. But one day in that prison cell, as he heard the gospel again and again and again, there was something appealing in the gospel story. You see, the gospel said, Jesus said of the gospel, I will draw all men to me. And he told me the story of how he laid there in that cell 
And after hearing the gospel and the Holy Spirit drawing him, coming to know Christ as Savior, now living a wonderful and a happy and a joyous life, serving God. That's the power and that's the attraction of the gospel. One day I was having lunch with a circuit court judge downtown. He invited me to come and to meet with him and his friend who had been a KGB officer in Russia. And the circuit judge told me, or told his friend, he said, tell Pastor Fugit how you became a Christian. And he said, my wife taught language in Russia. Missionaries would come to Russia and the first thing they would do is go to language school to learn to speak English so they could give the gospel to others. And they would learn those verses for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. And they would learn in the Russian language, English missionaries would learn in the Russian language, step by step, how to, how to lead someone to Christ. Her husband, a KGB officer, the son of a KGB officer. He said, I started going to those sessions so I could get the names of those missionaries because my intent was to put them in prison. He said, I would sit behind the curtain and I would listen to my wife teach them the Russian language. All have sinned. The penalty of sin is death. Christ came to save the world. You're saved by grace through faith. He said, I didn't believe in God. I didn't believe anything about the Bible. I just wanted the names of those missionaries that I could write them down and later put them in prison for preaching the gospel in Russia. Nearly a year passed. One day his wife said to him, Honey, there's something different about you. He said, What do you mean? She said, I've never seen you smile until just the last few weeks. I've never known you to smile. What's wrong? And that KGB officer told me, the former officer, he told me, he said, one day I went out into the field and I said, I don't believe there's a God. If there's a God, you show me there's a God. And he said, I can't explain what happened in my heart. But all I could hear over and over and over, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The wages of sin is death. For whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. God, if you're real, I want you to save me. And he said, I can't explain what happened except something glorious happened in my soul. And he told his wife, he said, I've trusted Christ as my Savior. She began to weep and she said to him, three months ago, I did the same thing, but I was afraid to tell you. I was afraid to tell you. I was afraid you would be angry with me or you would separate from me. And they rejoiced and he now travels and he speaks to uh, folks around the world telling them the story I've told you this morning that so often we even in America become bored with because we've heard it so long. 
Oh, but dear friend, let us rejoice. Our Savior was exalted. He was lifted up on the cross of Calvary. That was his day of glory after they put him in the tomb. After three days, up from the grave he arose and he lives victorious and he saved your soul and he saved mine by the wonderful grace of God. If Christ be preached, if Christ be put forth, if Christ be proclaimed to the people, the effect will be he will draw men to him. The gospel draws men like a trumpet used to draw people to public announcements. There was a day when there were no cell phones and communication as we have today and when a public announcement was to be made or read, a proclamation was announced by the loud sounding of a trumpet And the people in the communities in the areas, they would come from around to hear the reading of the proclamation. They wanted to know if there was danger. They wanted to know what the news was. I'm glad the gospel still draws men like a trumpet. A well-educated preacher once commented to a simple country preacher. He said, and I quote, I cannot make it out. My chapel is always nearly empty and yours is always crammed full. And yet I am sure that my preaching is more rational doctrine and you are not by any means so talented a preacher as I am. The simple country preacher responded, Well, I'll tell you the reason your chapel is empty and mine is full. The people have a conscience. And the conscience tells them that what I preach, the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ is true. And what you say is false. And God draws men to hear the gospel. It is said of George Whitfield that there was nothing to attract an audience to him except the simple gospel preached with a vehement power. It was not his oratory but the gospel that drew people to the preaching of George Whitfield. You see, if Christ is preached, if Christ is lifted up, if he is raised up like a standard or raised like a flag that would draw the soldier uh, to uh, their color or to uh, their group, uh, to their standard, the gospel is the standard that must be raised today. As the songwriter said, Sound the battle cry, see the foe is nigh. Raise the standard high for the Lord. Gird your armor on, stand firm everyone. Rest your cause upon his holy word. May it continue to be true as it has been now for nearly 60 years that Clays Mill Baptist Church is a place where the gospel is preached. But not just on Sunday morning or Sunday night or Wednesday night. But it is made up of people who care about boys and girls and teenagers and men and women to the place that we tell people the greatest story ever told and that is the gospel of Jesus Christ.